Touche. Touche. <laughs> well, here we are. Every time it's it's a real roll of the dice whether it's going to work technologically. <laughs> yeah, and the and the tricky thing is is that I won't know until we're done and we've spent all the time doing it and then I <laughs> see if it's saved in the phone or not. <laughs> oh my god. You I just, just don't know. You just don't know. You know what? And that's called trusting the universe. <laughs> I've done the work. I've done the work and I'm going to trust the universe and I'm going to trust this um uh application called anchor and when it says it's recording i'm gonna trust it it's just i don't trust remember how my um my word or my phrase for this year was trust myself and be petty uh-huh well be petty's working out just fine <laughs> um but so, trust yourself is a harder harder I'm ask just, I'm, this is correct and i'm just curious as to um you know, what button I will push that's incorrect when this is all over. You know what I mean? <laughs> that is truly, truly um, what we're looking at. And we are, I just have to say, because of course, because we're talking technical, I'm having a bit of anxiety right now because we have an amazing guest joining us. And right. my, I'm curious as to how they're doing logging in. And it <laughs> is not their fault because... <laughs> I had to send extensive instructions because when I troubleshot this adding a guest situation with my dear friends, Nikki and my, uh, it took us a hot minute to figure it out. So hopefully my instructions to our amazing guest are coming through. And um, if not, I can edit all of this out at the top here and we can just start in 40 minutes when we actually do figure this out. <laughs> so there is an option for me to figure out how to just edit this situation that we're doing right now. But when am I going to do my laundry? I, girl. Girl. Oh. Hello. Okay. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank our, God. Thank God. Oh, my our God. Fears, our fears of technological woe have been disappointed. Banded, they've flown away. <laughs> is this okay? Hold on. Is this good? Can you? Am I sounding good? You, you are sounding great. You sound great. Do we sound great? You, <laughs> yes, you sound great. Great. It's very important. Um, I just had to lower my volume a little bit because you sound like you're on speaker, even though you're not. And right. I have to put my mouth near the thing, I imagine. Yes, the mouth should be near the thing. Yeah. And um, I'm happy we're all um, headphone free. We sound fantastic. Also, I'm sure you've you read before you clicked to listen to this podcast. What am I listening to? So I'm sure you know that our guest today is Ryan Haddad. Yes. <laughs> Writer, actor, producer, director. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not a director. No, nothing. No, I'm Never? not a director. I'm not a director, and I and I and I I won't claim to be a producer, even though when it is my own work that I'm writing and starring in, it's truly impossible impossible for me to fully remove the hat of producer because I just want to make sure everything's going all right. Honey, well, why wouldn't you claim it then? 
Because, like, that's extra responsibility that I don't, that I don't want. That is absolutely fair. I'm talking, to, I'm talking to two writer, director, producer stars. That's what I'm talking to right now. This oh. is touche. I would May never I... direct. That's Jen's thing. I don't think I could even produce, actually. <laughs> You've produced your own, your, own, uh, your own solo work that I've seen. That's oh, well, that's produced. only produced because nobody else would. I, I would have gladly given those away. <laughs> may, I, may I share a, um, a requirement that I would like to put out into the world for us multi-hyphenists to be able to claim the title producer? May I, may, I, may I maybe share a suggestion? Yes, sure. If you have been, if you have ever been on the phone with Albany, you can take that claim. You can use that title. With it's Albany, Albany, like this is taxes, LLCs, like oh no, you... not not yet, not yet, not yet. So oh, I never! I I can't take that title. I can't yeah, take then it. I just no. I'm. This is just a gen thing. But if you've ever had to be on the, <laughs> be on the phone extensively with Albany, or you know what, I would even if if you've had to deal with with um SAG or Actors Equity, and it's not mm. because of you, mm. it's not because of you. <laughs> yeah. Then I would say you can put that on your title, but this is just me. This is just me. For sure. For sure. And I think my my current producer would agree with you because those are things I'm not doing. <laughs> that they are. I, I also really I also really respect that I don't want that hyphen it because I don't want the responsibility. <laughs> me too. I thought you were like, oh no, I don't want that title. You're like, no, I don't want to have to do that work. Work. No, respect. that's absurd. <laughs> absurd. I can that's... barely, I can barely prep meals for the week. So it's like, Funny. Wow. Um, you're way Ryan, ahead of me there. <laughs> I, first of all, Ryan, I am so thrilled that you're on the podcast. And may I just say that, like you, it's been years since we've had a guest, and I mean years. And I am <laughs> so thrilled that you're our first guest back I'm, on the reboot I'm, my first, I'm the first guest of the reboot you're the first <laughs> guest of the reboot oh my god and i just i love you so much and just for, for i'm just gonna dive in a little bit if you don't mind into some of those hyphenates um sure and you can stop me when i'm done um, and correct anything that I said incorrect. Um, but Ryan, again, brilliant, multi-hyphenate, New York City from Cleveland, Ohio, which I just learned in a voice memo, um, <laughs> has still has high, very very famous piece, uh, autobiographical play, Hi, Are You Single, has been around for a handful of years and still does its thing. Yeah. And Soon, opening at the public in New York. Hello, kind of fancy. Dark Disabled Stories is your new show. Which, girl, I looked it up. It's like February twenty eighth. It's in a couple weeks, girl. For sure. And <laughs> it is running February twenty eighth through March twenty sixth at the Public Theater. I'm on the website. You can get your tickets. I'm getting mine for March. I'm gonna come see it in March. And um, I'm just, I've just always been a giant fan of your work. Uh, I love autobiographical art mm. that is that goes there that that can be dirty messy and uncomfortable and a lot you know we don't know a lot of it isn't some of it's just a little bit showy pants and yours is beyond <laughs> the word honest <laughs> i just love your work i love it 
That's, that's, thank you. Oh my God, this means so much. That is what I'm going to say when people, what, hold on one second. Why, am I still here? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Boy, that's a question I've asked more than once. (laughs) (laughs) Am I still here? I knew your, I knew your Times push notification just like opened on my cheek. So I wasn't 100% sure. You're alive. I didn't know. Um, Thank you. That was one heck of an introduction. First of all, I need I need to thank you most of all for not reading the disastrously outdated bio from my website. Like, thank you <laughs> for that. You're welcome. I and... went, I did go to your website and I went. This isn't updated. <laughs> <laughs> and for sure. Being a well, who has time it? to update a website? You're like doing actual work. Yeah, there's. <laughs> There's absolutely no need for that. There's no need when we can just go straight to the source, which in it your was, case is the public theater. It was it was a beautiful intro. It was short and sweet. I need to stop just like laughing into people's ears on okay. this on this recording because I love you both so much, and I have been fans of yours for years, Jen. I believe since I met you in the basement of Dixon Place doing some. <laughs> thing i think was vaguely about tanya harding but maybe not oh am i, I wrong i promise you it was about tanya harding yeah <laughs> yeah and um and jeff i've seen around and about town and then i went to see your beautiful mm. gutsy deeply honest no showy pants grease bacon <laughs> grease bacon i've got it i'm i mean look i am i'm a huge proponent a huge fan of autobiographical work mm-hmm. and i'm also a huge critic of autobiographical work because of how showy pants it can be mm-hmm. and how sort of deeply dishonest and or uh you know not uh vulnerable it can be and uh grief bacon is one of my favorite things i've ever seen and so no. much so that i went a second time because it was just <laughs> Because the ways in which you could just weave, and this is what I love so much, and this is what I try to do sometimes in some of my work, but not all, make it funny, funny, funny until it really isn't funny anymore. And then you just pull the rug out from under them and and they're with you. And not in a way that, oh, he's milking me for tears, but in a way that, no, he's just telling a story that is truthful and honest and I'm being moved because of the beautiful relationship and tribute to your mother that you were putting on stage. I, 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 I'll just never forget it. And um, that's so nice. Thank you. So I'm just huge fans and of the touche when the touche ended, I was devastated and (laughs) now it is back again. And I'm thrilled to be here in your ears. And speaking with you, I only wish we could do it in person, but I know that uh, we will soon reunite in person uh, because I miss you both. And uh, we should actually have an episode now instead of just a love circle. (laughs) Well, can I just say that there's nothing more 2023 than spending the first 10 minutes being like, are we there? Is it technically correct? Yeah, this is true. (laughs) And then... And and then being like, oh, I wish we were all together. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
We got yes. our finger on the pulse, baby. <laughs> yeah. It's yes. very on brand. It's very on brand for the year. And this is something that we love to stick to. I am Ryan. So again, thank you so much for your time. I'm so excited for the show. I am coming in March. Um, and I just because I had to send you a voice memo, I'm gonna out my own self because you two are too kind to do it. Hysterical. <laughs> that I call I sent Ryan a message because I was like, I just want to make sure that I pronounce your last name correctly because I am really terrible at anyway, pronunciations. And I looked it up on YouTube. You know how YouTube will help you pronounce things and mm. a robot will help you. It's never right. And so <laughs> it's had, it's, I'm so happy it's had ad because that, that works with my Chicago accent. My, my perfect. We are Midwestern through. Yes. yes and this is, but I'm so, you're from Cleveland, Ohio. Tell me, get, can we have your journey to New York City, please? Sure. Yeah. Um, my journey to New York was like, it goes, it like, if you want to flash all the way back, it's like watching Barney live in New York City when I was three years old. And it's like, <laughs> this is what Broadway is. I mean, <laughs> literally, I mean, I literally mean, like Barney, Barney people on a stage. And I was like, this is New York. This is it. <laughs> Honey, I mean, do you know what I, I mean? I feel like. I don't know. That's uh, as as first shows go. That was pretty classy, to be honest. But I'm yeah. watching it on the TV. I not not that I had like been here at all or knew anything about New York. I just was like watching Barney on TV, and and then I, of course, became slowly and enamored with musicals, deeper and richer, and every every gay boys. Gateway is the musical theater, and but, but also your family, because I I saw your uh, yes. show of yours at at Joe's Pub, and your family really like encouraged you and like put on full productions in your backyard. Am full, I right? Full, right. I mean, I would say that full productions is a stretch. I mean, it is. <laughs> they they were not you know award worthy by any means. <laughs> But but we put on shows. We from the ages of five to thirteen, we did uh-huh. ten plays together, as the head of theater, and I was sort of the ringleader. And in that instance, I was writer, director, producer, star. But by writer, I mean I stole existing material and then just chopped it up and said, "This is what we're doing." Uh, That's great. My my favorite examples are adaptations of All About Eve called All About Ed. An adaptation of Annie called Andy. I mean that <laughs> that tells you where we were. That tells you what our our wavelength was. Mm-hmm. And um, I I and love it. It's like it's saying gender means nothing. That's really what you're doing. First, <laughs> you, very revolutionary for 2005. Think about I mean, it. Wow. Think about it. And I would say that I mean that went until I was 13. But my first time. I also have to be, you know, grateful for my family tree, I guess, that my my paternal grandmother, Nana uh, Evelyn, was born and raised in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. So the two with with four other brothers and sisters and um, then the sort of 
connector to New York was actually a branch of my family in a big way. Whereas going back to Jen being like, how do you pronounce Haddad? Well, my great grandparents came from Lebanon and Syria. Six out of the eight of them came from Lebanon and Syria in the early 20th century, like the teens and the Mm twenties. And most of them ended up in Ohio, but (laughs) not my, not my Nana's family. Mm -hmm. Nana was in Brooklyn and her parents immigrated. I mean, came here and stayed in Brooklyn their whole lives. They, They never went back to Lebanon. They stayed in Brooklyn. And she was the one at age 20 that left that moved to Ohio, which to, to her, her father, she says her father thought Ohio was the wilderness. And then, when she, came to, then when she came to visit, <laughs> when he went to visit the first time when they were looking for a house, he would say to his wife, he said, Mary, Mary, they have toilets. They have toilets there. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, so I didn't realize. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the the New York for me, I mean, I don't know that I didn't, you know, I had very encouraging family, but if I had just said like, I want to go to New York to see Broadway shows and we had no, we had no connection here. I don't know that that would have happened to me as, as easily, but mm-hmm. at 11 years old, I was, we came for a family wedding um, for my cousin Janine and her husband Armand and um, uh, I'm so, this is, and Janine is is no longer with us, so I sort of just tripped on myself there. Mm. But it it you know you know that's what happens. That's what grief bacon is all <laughs> about. <laughs> um, it is. Um. So I but I so I come for a wedding. You know, a wedding in either New Jersey or New York State. We had several of them over over the years, and so. My first, but my first time where I had the agency to kind of say, well, we're spending Saturday afternoon. Thank God these, these Syrian Orthodox weddings were bizarrely on Sunday, not like the rest of the world doing Saturday weddings so that I could come in for a Saturday matinee. In Manhattan. <laughs> and I stood with my dad in the TKTS line, mm-hmm. uh, which was in a different place. I mean, it was the same, like, vicinity but it is right. was not the red steps in 2003 and um and my mom went to sephora while we were in line right <laughs> and i remember a man who like fully did not work for tkts at all was like you don't have to stand in the line you have a walker and like pulled me and my father up to the front and then there were three gay men it was sort of like the three wise men i don't know who the fuck these men were they were fully <laughs> strangers and they looked down and they knew. I mean, did my father know? I I think he should have, but he didn't at the time. But these three men were like, this kid is gay. So they're like, well, what are you going to see? And I remember going, well, I want to maybe see, you know, in uh, Vanessa Williams and Into the Woods. And they said, that closed in May, honey. What do you, what do you want? What do you want to see? And, then, and I said, well, I think, you know, Bernadette Peterson Gypsy good 42nd street good and mm-hmm. i said or little shop before they said see the other two <gasps> and so, oh, so then great. i went uh i went to the window and i said which one has better seats and i am a disabled person i don't know that we've we 
the title of my show is Dark Disabled Stories, but I don't know if we've established that I have cerebral palsy and Monk of the Walker. So Gypsy with Bernadette, they could only get in the uh, upstairs at the, I think it was the Schubert in the mezzanine, which did not have an elevator. And, and for 42nd Street, they got us um, fourth row extreme side, which I know now was probably partial view, but who cares when yeah. you're 11 years old? No. And you're sitting in the fourth row of a Broadway show and people are tap dancing. Yes. And yes. It, was, it was the replacement cast. And I can still tell you exactly who the three leads were. Beth Level was on as Dorothy Brock. Oh, God. And Nadine Issinger was Peggy Sawyer. And somebody named Patrick Ryan Sullivan, who I just Googled the other day to be like, what is he up to, was Julian Marsh. And it was like literally transcendent experience Aww. and then from there we just had more weddings but then even when we didn't have weddings i knew what new york was so i couldn't like they couldn't stop now they were at the point of like well we do have to go once a year and we do have to see rosie o'donnell as golden fiddler on the roof oh and <laughs> are going to see martin short's one man show instead of oh. jersey boys which maybe was a mistake but i love martin short so fair. 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 like like, that's a fair choice yeah well i don't the thing is i don't well i didn't know who jersey like i didn't know who the jersey boys were because i was this i was like a teen early teen and now looking now looking back i think often about what was playing when i was here and what i could have seen and what i would have seen if i had more knowledge than i do than i did at the time mm-hmm. But yes. that was sort of my, I knew I have to get to New York. Mm. I have to, I'm, I'm going, I, and I, even as a teen, I was sort of in a realm of reality enough to know that I was not the cookie cutter musical theater kid. Mm-hmm. I obviously am disabled, but also I didn't have the voice. I don't have the voice of Patti Lapone or Bernadette Peters or any of those people. I have a nice voice, but it's not that voice. And so I knew it was going to, you know, that wasn't like where I was going to end up. That wasn't how I was going to start off, Mm -hmm. but I had to get here. And so I chose, so I don't want to go into everything, but I ended up going to my brother's alma mater. He went to a liberal arts school in Ohio called Ohio Wesleyan. And the primary reason I went there is because, and they told you this as a freshman, they're like, if you want to go and spend a semester in New York, you can't. Yes. And that was like, that money. was literally, I'm in the orientation as a junior in high school being like, or not the orientation, but like before, you know, the visit before I've applied. And I'm like, <laughs> well, that's the selling point to this school yeah. is that I get to have a test run, like a trial period. 100%. Um, and I did the trial period through, uh, there there was a housing issue, so I went to a different program, but they were nice to each other and were allowed me to sort of switch credits and stuff. So I did a program through Trinity College that was connected to La Mama, where I was taking classes mm. at La Mama three days a week and then doing an internship at the public theater two Gorgeous. days a week as Gorgeous. a senior as a senior in as a senior in college and now I am that was 2014 and now in 2023 uh eight and a half years later i'm i'm making my public theater off broadway debut with a play that i wrote in yes! that building. 
Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. That I don't know how a- how avid a listener you are, but eight years in the world of touche guests is very bad. good. It's not bad. <laughs> I, look, and Amy, and I'm very aware. I'm very aware, and people tell me that all the time when they're like, when they say, um, you know, particularly artistic directors when they're like, when they're annoyed with me because they keep going, well, we want you to write a new play. I said, well, I have four. Like I have, why don't you do one of the ones that I've written as opposed to like right. having me start from scratch with the flour and the eggs and stuff. <laughs> and, and, and they go, you know, you're doing very well for, for your age and I go that's that just that's not a that's that doesn't give me peace at night that doesn't make me fall you know fall mm-hmm. asleep and go I'm doing really well it just tells me that the business is yeah, has a problem that there's so much enormous talent around us and people who deserve these platforms and deserve to be lifted up by institutions that say Oh, you have to be emerging for twenty years. Like, mm. I'm so sorry, but that mm. I may be going fast, but I think that also the industry is going kind of slow, because my stories are about my twenties, and I'm going to age. I'm already out of them, <laughs> so so <laughs> we're we're running. You know, there'll be more things, but I I so thank you for acknowledging that. And now I'm going to tell you why it happened that I'm doing very well and going on this sort of accelerated trajectory that doesn't feel accelerated to me because I Fair. know the time and the months and the years of, of, of the nose and the weights and we're going to do it, but not yet. And how about this one? Like it's a struggle, but the reason that it, I sort of had a head start, let's say, is not because I'm a Nepo baby. None of these Ohio people had anything to do with theater. Shocking. Shocking. Not, they had nothing to do with anything. And so I really sort of, sort of was how to navigate my own way and network, network, truly network my ass off Mm -hmm. in a way that now when I teach people, I say networking is so, so important, but you can't go up to somebody that you want to work with and be like, what can you do for me? Mm-hmm. How can you help me? You have to like make them feel like you care about them as a human and <laughs> you should, in fact, because that's how you build relationships. Yeah. Anyway, I'm rambling in order to get to the point of saying Tim Miller, who it, it was a staple of downtown New York and then went to LA and now is a staple around the country, touring and teaching and doing autobiographical work is is my mentor because he showed up to Ohio Wesleyan University for one week in my sophomore year and changed my life. And in the summer between sophomore and junior year, he full out said to me in the middle of the New York pride parade, we were like standing on a sidewalk somewhere by 25th street. And he, he said, Ryan, you have to, you cannot graduate college without a full length show. You have to have a show. And to him, full length was 60 minutes. So I was taught that like a solo show that goes longer than 60 minutes, people will want to, you know, jump off the balcony because the person (laughs) is still talking. Um, Right. So his assignment was you have to graduate with a 60 minute solo piece. And because of that, 
And because and he said this to you as like the Chipotle float was going by. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Scorch exactly. This is, like... this is a love story. This is a, lo- this is a romantic comedy. This is a love story. And so two days after I did Hire You Single as my senior project, I was like, where's the video? And because of the semester at La Mama and the what doors that sort of opened, I applied to the Hot Festival at Six in Place within two days of closing that show with a video. And I was like, I want to do this. And that was, I, so I performed a solo piece in New York before I had even moved here. I Good moved here you. September wow. 1st and I performed, sold out at Dixon Place on August 8th. And people ran backstage and were like, your life is about to change. And I said, what are you talking about? I can't even get to find an apartment that has an elevator. Like, what? I can't move here yet so but it's because of tim because if i had moved here and then tinkered around with what might i write for myself without having developed it for the two years before my arrival it would have gone a lot slower and if it went a lot slower i think i might have you know i just i think uh i'm an impatient person so when somebody looks at me and says you have time I say, I don't know who you're talking to or what you mean, but that's not going to fly with me. That's going to maybe fly with seven other writers that you're talking to. But I want, I want, you know, I want you to demonstrate that you believe in my work. And sometimes that's great. And sometimes they don't want to hear you tell the truth like that. And they say goodbye. And that's the last (laughs) time that you see them. (laughs) You have moxie. Ryan. (laughs) You know, there's something, I think there's something really interesting. First of all, thank you for sharing all that with us. That is a beautiful and well-deserved, hardworking, gorgeous story that also seems human and and honestly quite basic. Hardworking, do the work. When the signs show up, you take them. I didn't hear any, I didn't hear any not that you couldn't, because my God, we do it on this podcast. Blaming or self-shaming. I no. I heard, I heard you, you you got some you got some green flags and you ran to them. And yeah. I think there's something really gorgeous in what I'm hearing about this. That like there is something to because trusting myself, I'm trying to do. Um, <laughs> I think there's something really like um, smart about um just insisting that you not that you or at least yeah just sort of insisting on what's best for me right now Mm. and taking Mm -hmm. the initiative yourself to do it and i think and it is really this is as we all know like you were saying it's like oh oh if you think these eight years have been like easy and fast and this has happened like oh no 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 and it is it's been nose it's been a struggle it's been well write something new well let's see what else you got and I think um and you know in terms of like time and age like yeah you are young compared to us (laughs) (laughs) but like but thanks Jeff thank you but I I think too that like I always think myself too like let's say like I you know make a make it to some whatever goal that I've reached there's going to be someone older than me that's still trying, you know? I mean, not that we need to be taking care of things or dealing with ageism. We all are where we are, but I just, I really appreciate like the candor of this is what I'm ready for. So this is what I'm going to go get. 
Mm. Well, also, like for me, the thing that impresses me so much is that I, uh, I kept telling myself, like, oh, nobody wants to hear my story. Nobody cares about my story. My story is not interesting. My story is blah. And it, everybody's story is interesting. Yes. It, it's how you tell it. It's how you craft it. It's how you, because uh, mm-hmm. like you might have a, an incredible story about whatever, meeting the president after you got kidnapped or something. And <laughs> you could tell it in a way that's real friggin' boring. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, just like that. You but like to be whatever, 20, okay. All right. <laughs> to be 22 and to be like, yeah, I believe in myself enough that I, I mean, cause I didn't get moved to New York until I was 25. Cause I was like, Oh, nobody wants me. You know, I think it's just so exciting that you had that presence of mind to to go without the doubt and to mm. be like, yeah, this is this is who I am. I'm going to be honest with you and, uh, you know, authentic with you. And I'm not going to self-doubt and say, you know, my story isn't worth being told, which... I don't know. For me, that I, I had to turn 40 before I got that, that ballsy. <laughs> and w- I hope I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm chewing on this and I don't know how much you want, you know, smoke to be blown up your butt, Jeff, but I, <laughs> I blow it, blow it. I, I remember in grief bacon because i did it i saw it twice not like two days in a row but it came and then i saw it and then it came back and i saw it again because it was so good uh and you it is about your mom and it is about your relationship with your mom but there are peppered things about the business and the industry and and the nose and the rejection and i'm fully paraphrasing but it's something like you know you you didn't believe that a series regular was going to happen for you and now here it is and now it's happening and what I love about watching you and Bridget together on that show is we could you know those of us who are downtown kids in New York (laughs) know Mm -hmm. the years and years and years that it took of pounding the pavement and saying I'm going to make this thing and I'm going to do this role and I'm going to do this bizarre thing that has no lines that's so embarrassing but I'm going to do it <laughs> and, and to get to this point and like I, so I'm watching the characters on this show who are middle aged and in some you know somewhere in the in the middle uh, I know you know it's, it's somewhat that's why it's called somebody somewhere but they're finding their place in they're finding their way through in a world in a, in a in an environment that doesn't want to honor their full selves. And so but I'm sitting there as an as someone who knows you and I'm watching the story of those characters and simultaneously playing the stories of Jeff and Bridget in my mind. Mm-hmm. And the the 20 years of work that it's taken you to get to this point this mon- this mountain of a show that is a critical success that is I'm so excited for season two and I've got to tell you of all the press that I'm doing for this show 
my family is the most excited that I am on this podcast <laughs> because they love that show. They oh. love it. And I'm talking about my gay uncle loves it and my lesbian aunt loves mm-hmm. it and my straight parents love it. And mm-hmm. if you can get a show that all four of those people love <laughs> plus me, it is touche. It, 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 and that's because it's giving also value to the stories of the people who do stay in the Midwest, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. don't say, who don't say, I've got to go to New York and be a star. And that's mm-hmm. all that matters. And nothing else matters. It's, 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 it's a beautiful human story. Mm. And they all love it to, you know, and should I say this on this podcast? I don't know. I think I am <laughs> going to say it, uh, you know, I don't know how to edit out in the middle. Just so you it's know. okay. You don't have to edit out. I don't think this is a. I don't think that this is a. I don't think that this is a bad thing to say. Um, you know, my parents have had to since I was twenty three watch me like rub my crotch at the start of "Hire You Single," and they've watched me do that in places around the country. So they, there. so they're sort of, you know, they've been desensitized in some ways. <laughs> But when I showed them, because I had seen, because Gay Uncle Charlie said, I read it while I was here as a senior in college, said, I read in the New York Times about this amazing show at uh, Bridget Everett's Rock Bottom at Joe's Pub. You have to go. You're in New York. You have to go and see this person. And I went and it sort of knocked me out Mm -hmm. in a million different ways. And opened up for me what what could be how audacious one could be mm-hmm. in a in a show about themselves uh but when i showed it to my wonderful parents bob and judy not rock bottom itself but the com- uh, bridges comedy central special of her regular concert that she does at joe's pub with the tender moments they this was a, several years ago now they were like what on earth am I watching? Like it was, it was, (laughs) it was too much. It was too much. It was too extreme. It was, they, it was, it was a lot of stimulation and they didn't quite know how to process it. So that now to be able to put this show in front of them. And frankly, they moved through it faster than I did because they loved it so much. It was, they were tuning it in. They were tuning in live every Sunday. And, and that was, um, I just want to acknowledge that that a you have fans in Ohio, Bob Judy, <laughs> Bob Judy, Janice, and Charlie. You have fans oh, in Ohio, amazing. And to say I'm so proud, I'm so proud to see you sit on a stool at Joe's Pub, or see you know Bridget balance herself on some stranger's legs <laughs> at Joe's Pub, and then see this and know all of the work that has gone into this moment um and i just hope that you're able to also feel the feel that victory and sort of revel in the joy of of the work that i know didn't come easily and took a lot of time but is paying off here that's so lovely i i am i'm i'm i am feeling it do you think do you think how much do you think landing at La Mama and having Tim I mean when you already said that Tim is a mentor is like 
such a big part of it. But like, I'm just thinking like, it also took me a really long time. And I don't know about you, Jen, but for me, it took me a long time to find, I'm doing air quotes here, downtown. <laughs> like, yeah. To be like, oh, this is a world where, like, I, I started doing improv because I just knew you could do improv. That was, yeah, you know, uh, but I didn't know you could go to Joe's Pub and write a solo show and be naughty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Do you think that being at La Mama and having access to all of that sort of insane talent and uh, I don't know world yes you helped absolutely 100% and here's why because I was I was the musical theater five-year-old I was the <laughs> one who wanted Broadway I wanted all of all of the I wanted the Tonys and I still want the Tony and motherfucker, I'm going to get the Tony yeah. like that. I, I want all of that, but that didn't want me when I got here and in many ways still doesn't. Mm. And in order to, this is a business like, and I, Oh, I'm 31 and I'm so cynical. It's like, you know that, but, but it's a business. And if you, if I had, you know, if I just like went to all these musical theater cattle calls and was like, I don't dance and my vocal range is really small, but <laughs> I can play like Lauren Bacall if you want, or Listen. I can play, you know, I can do the Glenn Close keys, you know, Listen. five times a week. Uh <laughs> Listen, I just to, uh, to butt in about the business, I, I think it's irresponsible to, to have the whimsical um, hope drive artistic blindness. I think it's irresponsible to move forward that way without having an understanding of the business. Truly. Yeah. yeah. It's irresponsible. And so, and so the dream and the hope of childhood was all of this as we, what we'll call uptown stuff was, right. was mm -hmm. the Tonys on CBS and Peter <laughs> Rivera and everything. And, 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 uh, and then, so, and I had a mix of it. I've got to be honest. I went to Williamstown Theater Festival between junior and senior year, right before La Mama. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those Williamstown people are, are wanting sort of the, the not downtown version of New York. They're, they're, they're wanting to be produced on 42nd street or above and they're wanting to uh and that's where stars would go and that's mm -hmm. frankly where i met Cheetah rivera was at williamstown when she was doing the visit and i was about to be a senior in college and i saw her and roger reese do that from the back of the auditorium three times together and this was before roger got sick um uh because by the time he came to new york he he was he was not well uh and so I had sort of Williamstown was very important because it gave me a network of people, all three of my consistent directors who do my plays came out of that one summer. Hmm. Uh, uh, oh, great. Laura Savia directs higher you single. Uh, Danny Sharon is directing two of my plays that are unproduced, but let's cross our fingers that they'll be produced soon. 
Good Time Charlie and the sequel to Hire You Single, which is called Hold Me in the Water. And then Jordan Fine is directing the current piece, Dr. Sable's Stories. And they were all at Williamstown that same summer. Now, did I develop immediate, deep relationships with them right away? No. But, like, that was one element of, of, quote, the business. I left Williamstown did not go back to Ohio. I went, oh no, excuse Yeah, I did go back to Ohio to my parents' home for a couple of weeks. And then they drove me in a van to New York and unpacked me at the 92nd Street Y, which is where the people at the La Mama program were were going to stay. Uh, and, <laughs> and what La Mama, you don't sit in Ohio and as a kid and like dream of being a downtown theater artist in New York city. It's a, there's no, there's no exposure to that on television or, or even on broadwayworld.com. Right. So, so thank goodness that that was such a rich part of my education that Tim was a part of introducing me to the La Mama program. And thank goodness that he did when he did, he did that, he did that when I was in b- before junior year. So it was super early, but, and he didn't know that like I needed to be introduced to La Mama because there would be a housing issue with the Ohio Wesleyan house. The Ohio Wesleyan house was a brownstone in Chelsea. And I wasn't going to walk up those stairs to yeah. stay home. So I went to go home. So home was the 92nd street. Why? Um, the downtown people immediately, and I want to like Jackie Rudin knew me as a student. You know, you know Jackie Rudin. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know Jackie yeah. Rudin. Like, and has been cheering me on since that first solo performance at Dixon Place before I moved to New York. Jackie was one of the people who ran backstage, and Joan Lipkin is another who I also was. I learned uh, who was a, a teacher you know, kind of adjuncting uh, as part of the La Mama program. And they both were like, oh my God, because I had just been their student. But it was the, it was having gone, literally I went to Williamstown, did not go back to school, came straight to New York. And then I had to go back to, to school to actually graduate. And that was really hard because I've had now six months from June to December, I was, I was in it. I was, I was right. learning in the world. And now I have to go back to write papers. What are you oh, kidding? God. But thank goodness that I did, <laughs> because that was the semester that the play was written. That was, that was right. the, the assignment. Tim's assignment from two years before was completed. Mm. But had I not been immersed downtown and part of the La Mama program was, and still is, it's called Trinity La Mama. Um, and it's through Trinity college in Connecticut uh, is that on in the evenings you go and see shows and some of them are on Broadway and some of them are oh, off, great. off, off, off. Some of them are at Joe's pub, but that's harder because there's food and there's some rule about food. I don't know. It's confusing. Oh, wow. um, incredible. <laughs> don't tell like, more to that. I would that just like that. But, really but, but, but I w- and then there were some dance pieces and you know, I'm not, going to be grooving to a dance piece but that the, there was this exposure of 
knowing where the incubators were, mm. knowing knowing what the dreams were, like, oh, there's a festival called Under the Radar. Had I not been an intern at the public, I would never have known that mm. in right. order to then want to be in that. Right. And things like, you know, downtown was, had I just written that show and not had any exposure to these the the variety of New York is what I'll say. I wouldn't have known that there was a place like Dixon Place where I could go and do it. I would have just had a script that nobody had ever seen because I would have just been waiting and waiting. I, and that's and that's sort of been the the through line of my whole adult life is that I'm not gonna sit around and wait. I just have to say that is Maybe that's an maybe that's I was I've been thinking of a tattoo. And I don't want to, I'm not gonna sit around and wait. Ryan Haddad is very 2023 for me. Yes. Um, I'll let you pick the spot. Preferably maybe we'll just bottom foot is what I'm guessing. But um I do yoga so I see the bottom of my feet often. Um I just I think it's I just feel so in, honestly so inspired listening to you talk right now. I'm just I'm very, I feel very fueled by this in a way that isn't, I'm not even saying that to be snotty or obnoxious. Like I genuinely am like, yeah, this is, this, this is the step forward as an artist, especially it's always, it's always information, what you do with it. And are you, do you have the tenacity and the will and the, the get go and the keep board to keep going? And I, I, I just, I have to ask, like, this is a jump, but I have to ask about disabled stories because the play dark disabled stories yes i just i'm so can you tell us i i'm i'm reading it's vignettes which excites the shit out of me i love a montage i love a vignette i love setup i love all of it (laughs) um is there what can you what can you tell us about the show because i'm super excited about this one jordan fine is directing it right jordan fine is directing it wonderful and jordan has done a lot of work with aaron markey uh, directed two of Aaron's big, big pieces in New York, uh, and and uh, Rags Parkland at Ars Nova, and various other things. Now is sort of by by national. I'll say he lives in in London with his partner, and he's here in New York to to do this show. And I'm I'm really grateful that he. I mean. Anyway, uh, I'll talk about Jordan in a minute. You asked about the play. Uh, <laughs> well, the, and the, and this was very interesting because you know sometimes I'm pushing against the man who's like, "What's the next thing? What are you doing that's new?" Blah, oh blah, yeah. Blah. Um, but I arrive in New York in 2015. I'm working my tail off to get. Uh, I arrive in New York in 2015 as a like an adult. Like I've moved here. This is. This is my, I'm not in school anymore, all of that. So 2015, I get here and I'm trying to get Hire You Single done anywhere that will do it. And by early 2017, it was in the incoming series and Under the Radar. Uh, and I thought, okay, our off-Broadway run is definite. Like it's coming. It, it, it never came. It's still, it still hasn't come for, for Hire You Single, which I'm sort of rattling myself about, but hoping that will change in the next couple of years because that's still a play that I really love. The point I'm, the reason I say all of this 
is because there were all these people that wanted to know what the next one was. And I wrote another next one, which sort of got the kinks. You had to, I, I wrote a pretty, it wasn't bad. I just, it's not a play I care about anymore. So thank God I got that out of the way. <laughs> and, and then I wrote uh, the first draft of a play about my uncle uh, and I and our relationship called Good Time Charlie, which I is 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 more of one of like is the most uptown of of my work so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and I those so I had all of that like through, I would say September first, twenty seventeen. I had basically written three plays, one of which I would end up throwing away, and two of which I still strongly care about, but. I hadn't gone back to the root of the way I was taught to devise solo work mm-hmm. from Tim, which was just organic and just, you know, you don't sit down with a book, you don't sit down at a laptop, you just tell stories. And I had been asked to, uh, participate in a festival at the new Ohio theater from Jessel Macy, who is part of the team. And it, it was called American AF. And even just looking at that email list, American is fuck, but they kept saying American AF looking at that email, list, <laughs> looking at, looking at the title, looking at the fact that this was a, a response uh, to um, Trump's, election like all of all of these things Mm -hmm. i knew well certainly the you know very gay can't play about my gay uncle is is not a fit for this and also uh i don't think anything in higher you single is quite so uh it's not edgy is the wrong word but it didn't feel like it was was dark enough Mm. for for what I was being called upon to do for one night. So I made a little post-it note and I went back to Tim's kind of, you know, you do it on impulse. I think Tim would prefer me to have been a lot more rehearsed than I was for this particular one night thing. (laughs) But I went up and basically told a series of five or six stories that were all, uh, either explicitly or tangentially disability related. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't record them, which was my great mistake. And I will never do that again, but (laughs) I could feel the air change in the room. I could feel that uh, I was scared to tell these stories and I could feel uh, Mm -hmm. the audience grappling with what their understanding of their preconceived understanding of disability, uh, by just my sitting on an on a bench uh, and talking, mm-hmm. and so I'm just naming. It's like it's like the R hit parade of everyone who's meant anything. Uh, but Dre Campbell, who's also a a downtown uh, darling, lesbian, fabulous queer person, um, mm-hmm. has a, a podcast slash monthly storytelling hour at the Bureau of General Services Queer Division, which is inside a bookstore inside of the LGBT Center. Hmm. And so then she asked me to be on, like, on a night there, 
and they automatically record what is done. You know, whatever someone, anyone does on the microphone gets recorded. And I knew, oh man, I wasted, not wasted because it was really powerful and important and it helped me move forward into what is the next thing? All the resisting I had been doing about the next thing, I was like, I guess I have to make it because Jess, and her festival gave me a container and said, you have to be, you have to be scared. You have to be brave is horrible. And I hate to use it because that's the worst thing you can brave and inspiring are the two worst things you can <laughs> say in relation to disabled <laughs> life. Um, but you, Jess has said, you gotta, you gotta be really real. And then I never recorded it. So I said, I'm just going to do those stories again. And I, you know, got the post-it note again. Maybe I changed the order. I don't know what I did, but I went up at the end. Thank God I was last, not in a headliner way, but just because the person who was supposed to be last couldn't get through the snow and didn't come. (laughs) So I absorbed their time and my time. Nice. And I was supposed to talk for like 10 to 15 minutes and I did 40 minutes. And it was, you could tell, again, no one cared that I talked for 40 minutes. Nobody was wrestling in their seat and was like, when is this kid going to stop talking? Because something was happening in that room. And that yeah. recording is was ultimately the first audio draft of this play. And part of why they're vignettes is because it's just snapshots of daily life mostly in new york when you step out into the world um not thinking that you're going to be part of any sort of story on a given day you're just trying to get to the grocery store or trying to uh meet your friend for coffee or trying to maybe have a hookup on a Friday or Saturday night or even a Sunday morning, like these moments in which it's very everyday, very mundane. And then suddenly something happens where either the disability is put in focus or uh, it's not really about disability until the event is over the vignette mm-hmm. is over and i have to sit back and go now why do you think i was treated this way or why do why did that particular thing happen to me mm-hmm. what it was it totally random mm-hmm. or is it related to the fact that i you know move through the world in a different kind of body and people's perceptions of what that means uh, affects the way they interact with me mm-hmm. And uh, so there's an emotional build for sure. And it is, it's a bit relentless. And individually, if I was going to tell you one of the stories or any one of the stories right now, mm-hmm. I wouldn't think, oh, they're so, it's so vulnerable. It's so raw. It's so scary. And it's not, they're not individually that, but it's the accumulation of them. Mm. And, the order that makes it 
it's hard to catch your breath sometimes mm-hmm. um, for me as a performer, but also I know that that's what the audience is, is experiencing and going to experience. Um, not to say that it's not entertaining, not to say that it's not <laughs> funny, but in this play, I, unlike some of my other work, um, don't use humor so much as a crutch or an mm-hmm. armor. I don't, I sort of trim that out of the way and, force you to kind of sit in the ugly for a little while Mm. Uh, and so that is dark disabled stories are you scared about doing it no um i i'm not scared i wish that i had had more control over you know i wish that some of the things that i wanted to happen in terms of the order of the way that New York audiences could be introduced to me might have changed Mm. uh, so that this wasn't the first thing. This wasn't my first produced play in New York City because it's not. It's not the first in the trajectory of of my voice, as it were. Uh, So it's because it's darker and because it's, a little more experimental in its vignette form, whereas Higher You Single is still a series of vignettes, but I have, with my director, sort of shaped that into a plot that feels like a plot. This doesn't have that. And I... so I'm, I'm very aware that there will be people who come in who have never heard of me, who have never, don't know me at all, and don't know my other work, and that this is their introduction. So that element is a little bit scary. Um, Yeah, I started to come in here, but I think that's interesting. I I was just thinking about that for a second, about um, how, like, if you have a certain piece of art or work and how you put it out into the world, how you release it, just going, I'm just thinking of that myself with my short film, like how it launches out sort of is the, um, the, um, the initial sort of layout and invitation of like, this is what this is in a way, right? Yes. We, we can't control what an audience or how an individual person feels about the work that we do, but we do have sometimes some controls to how we begin. And what you're saying is it's kind of scary that this is beginning in a way, even though you haven't begun, but um, there's a larger audience right now that you have with the public that you're a little nervous that this is the first thing going out. Um, And it's interesting to think of that from a writer's perspective, just from a writer's perspective, like how, how, how you initially sort of bang out a little bit and like, well, could I pull back to something funny? I mean, I hope we can, we're allowed and, you know, offered to do everything throughout the trajectory of our careers, but I'm, it is interesting, and I hear what you're saying about like, hmm, this is the first one that's going to get the most attention for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and, I, I just oh, sorry. <laughs> and go, go is on. there is there a sort of like a higher power hand that you know we don't know now that great that this is the first thing going out you know in that way maybe and maybe and maybe I maybe I'm underestimating <laughs> maybe I'm underestimating. <laughs> audiences audiences as it were i just think that some of my other work is a little gentler it's a little it's a little softer not that it's it's not soft and it's not gentle but by comparison it is you know 
and and I sort of hold your hand a little more, particularly if you're not a disabled person. But what I think is interesting about trimming all of the sort of cushion out of, and I, I want to emphasize because this is a, a podcast hosted by two highly comedic people <laughs> to your <laughs> listeners that that it is very funny. It is darkly funny. Oh, we and don't it is doubt very, that. And it is very entertaining. But I and I give you permission to laugh, but I don't give it as readily and I don't give it as often, you know, uh, so I'm and I, I am asking you to sort of uh, shift your lens of if you are not a disabled person, what uh, how you view disability in the world. And also, this is to date, the most radically accessible of any of my shows, which is meant to be a bigger invitation to deaf and disabled audiences in a huge way and saying, this show is for you. And the humor as armor is somewhat removed because you don't need that. You don't need that softer landing you know what the lived experience is you may not know what my lived experience is but you know how to relate in a world that doesn't uh account for your existence 90 percent of the time and so i'm excited that we have we have audio description open so everybody will hear it but it is particularly for blind and low vision audience members we have captioning for deaf and hard of hearing audience members most of our performances, uh, you know, our performance, not most of, the performance will be semi-relaxed, meaning that like the house lights won't be fully out. And we haven't sort of ironed out what exactly that means, but it, what it means on the most basic level is that we're not one of those shows that says, if you have to get up and leave in the middle, you can't come back in. You know, you can get uh. up, you can move around if you need to move around. And it's not going to be seen as, as rude or, or disruptive, uh, just, you know, that you're making accommodation for your body and mind and sensory mm-hmm. and sensitivity, emotional sensitivity as well. And the, one of the most exciting things for me, so we have two performers in the show, so it is not a solo play. I think a lot of people think it is because it is told from my point of view, um, but we have two performers and they are Alejandro Ospina is doing our audio description. And uh, so that means that her voice will be the voice that you hear the most when you're not hearing mine. Huh. And we have another fabulous, gorgeous, brilliant, so talented, such a star queer actor. His name is Dickie Hartz and he is deaf and he is going to be playing the role of Ryan with me simultaneously. Great. Uh, in American Sign Language. Oh, so wow. we so cool. are, he's not interpreting, he's fully playing Ryan. And that means, though, that we're on stage together in a duet for 70 minutes. And we're relating to each other. We are, uh, physicalizing with each other we're moving around each other and we're communicating with each other and with the audience but the stories are still told in first person from my 
point of view until both Alejandra and Dickie will have their own moments in the show that are told from their point of view. Um, and, and then they will, by doing so, sort of step out of the support of Ryan's story and tell their own stories. Ryan, uh, this sounds so, fucking amazing. I'm really, I'm really excited. And now, years after telling these stories alone, when I could feel the air in the room change, now when people from the Bushwick Star, which is the co-producer and also was the impetus for all of this, um, the Bushwick Star is partnering with the Public Theater to do this production. Um, when the people from the Bushwick Star and the public come in and like see the way that Dickie and Alejandra and I are working together, it, that, that you could feel that now is when you feel the air in the room change because it they go, oh, this isn't just Ryan at a microphone telling stories. This mm-hmm. is way bigger. And this is so exciting. It's, it's really exciting. It's a play. It's a full play. It's a play. It's it's a play, but it's a monologue. It's still a monologue. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's not like Dickie and I, like Dickie and I are playing lovers or Dickie and I are playing uh, adversaries. We're, we're telling the same story, but we're doing it together. And it's, it's really, uh, it's a real, even being in, being inside of it is really a powerful experience. And so I can't wait until the audiences come in. This is, so, I have to just say, and I am, I am hearing your thoughts, your feelings as an artist, and I accept them and I validate them. And I am so fucking glad this is your, your, your first piece that's coming out mm. in, right now. I just, mm. that's, that's my Excite my joy forward right now is yes. I'm excited as hell. <gasps> Thank you. Thank you. And I do before we before we end, I do wanna I said I was gonna come back to Jordan. Jordan Fine uh, Yay, said yes. The beautiful director um said yes to this when it was a one day reading at New York Theater Workshop. And I think we were both being paid a really small amount of money. Um and this was you know, 20, I think it was 2019. So I had sort of devised the stories orally audio as an audio recording in at the end of 2017, finally put it on paper at the end of 2018. uh, And Jordan came in for the sort of first public reading in 2019 and I never let him go. And we did spend a year ish uh thinking it was just going to be me that it was just going to be another solo play and there's nothing wrong i have multiple solo plays i love solo work i think it's really important uh as a genre but then the pandemic hit and we basically had you know everyone had a a million hours to do nothing and we just decided well we're gonna we're gonna work on this play we don't know when it's going to be, because it was going to be spring of 21. We don't know when it's going to be. It was going to be at the Bushwick Star. We don't know where it's going to be. Like all of this pandemic related uh, question marks were popping up around this this piece. And we just thought, okay, well, let's just sit down every week and check in for an hour or two. And first of all, that changed the play entirely. So it's completely, you know, the bones of that first audio recording are there, but 
Jordan has shaped it into a really magnificent uh, script alongside me. And while we were sitting there and I'm in my childhood bedroom and Jordan is in London, we, um, we, you know, we kept talking about what, what is this, what does this play look like? What is the world of this play? What is, what is, what do we want the connection, the connectors to be? And we arrived at this attempt at radical access Mm. together. And Jordan is not disabled. Um, He's queer and fabulous, but has really, uh, you know, dove in to working to figure out how to make this version of accessible theater. There's not one version. It's not one size fits all. And I can't promise that all my plays going forward are going to have this amount of access all the time, every time. But we said, let's try and see what, you know, and, and make this as accessible as we can. And that meant Dickie and Alejandra coming on and that meant building and shaping, but I couldn't have done any of that without, without Jordan uh, fine. And I think he's a remarkable director and I hope that, you know, this does things to his career that we can't, you know, can't predict right now. Uh, I'm just, I have to give him credit where it's due because if it was just me, the show, if, you know, if I didn't have him, I'd be in a very different place and it would be a very different piece of theater that we're making. So I'm, I just, uh, when you find the right collaborators Mm. who, who really get you and understand you and your work and only want to make it better and are not self-serving and are not uh, trying to sort of get in the way of your your truth for the sake of their vision, uh, then you've got to keep them around and know that, uh, and know that they're, that you're, they're stuck with you for life. (laughs) 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 Ryan, I stop. I, I think this is a, you've just segued us honestly into a beautiful, when you said, you know, I don't know what this is going to do for him or, you know, this show will do for you in the, ne- in the next year, a year from now. And Jeff, Jeff, can you word this? Cause I'm wording it wrong. What we asked all our guests. Oh, well, we just say, if you could, uh, we end every episode by saying, if you could, um, actually, before we do that, can I just ask one question? Yeah. Because I just, I, I was thinking about, I know you were in the politician and I was just thinking, what is it like to just have to show up and do the acting and not have to do all the writing and the... And the... Oh, well, How you, do you know the answer. I, I, I love it. And anybody who wants to put me on TV gets, would, you know, please at any moment, at any time. <laughs> yes. um, no, it is. And I, and both on TV, but also I want to say, when I say my off-Broadway debut, I mean my off-Broadway playwriting debut. Right. Because it was very fortunate to make my actual off-Broadway debut this fall, last fall, in a play called American Televisions by oh, Victor I. Casares. Right. And Vic, uh, 
And that role came to me because Victor saw my gay little family cabaret show at Joe's Pub. Uh, the one that <laughs> oh, my falling God. for make-believe. Uh, and what I loved about that element of it, um, both of the two roles that I, and these, and I'm grateful for the both exposure and the uh, financial security and the various things that television offers. I did The Politician and uh, I did, uh, I filmed, finished filming, but it hasn't come out yet, uh, a limited series that is currently titled Retreat, starring Emma Corrin from The Crown. Both of those roles were written to be disabled and we need more and more of those, of course. And we need more opportunities explicitly given to disabled performers and explicitly written so that, you know, disabled performers can be brought to a a table that includes Emma Corrin and Clive Owen and mm-hmm. all of those and, and Ben Platt and Gwyneth Paltrow and Jessica Lange and all the people that I've been sort of in orbit of because of the TV work that was explicit Call, explicitly calling for disability but this off-broadway role um in the fall was just a little gay boy a little gay boy um in the southwest uh, who lived in a single wide trailer and his best friend and neighbor erica uh was part of a family of illegal immigrants and it was just a gay boy and the disability had nothing, was nowhere in the script. And Victor just saw me tell a gay story about a little gay boy named Ryan and said, that's Jeremy. That's great. And, and, and that was an instance of just showing up and learning the lines and doing the blocking. Mm-hmm. And it was the best the- theater job I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> because it, because there was so much less responsibility, honey. Because <laughs> let's lose some hyphenates this year, right? <laughs> uh, it was just so stress free. Like it was so stress free for me. <laughs> and now I'm gonna hang up with you, and I have to like write a whole new story in the Dark Disabled Stories, and it's like, well, I wish I didn't have to, but I'm going to because oh. it's important and. I, I love, excuse me, I love the opportunity to to be writing, writing rewriting, as it were. Um, but it it adds to the it adds to the amount of responsibility without adding to the hours in the day um, or the hours of rest. This is true. So I love to just show up and say some lines and <laughs> and try on some clothes and like get craft services even. Wow. Some of your hair, your makeup. They cut your hair, they drive you there. Right. And they and and you are fed at every yeah. waking hour. They ask you guys- if you're, they, yeah, they ask if you're okay. They come and bring you bottled water. Um, they don't come to you and with every single problem that's your fault. This is your Absolutely. <laughs> and we love you know, you know who our heroes are? PAs. PAs yes. are our heroes. Yes. I want to name some fabulous PAs, Shelby and Blake and James. Um, 
across uh, the board. Um, Tom, the, I'm talking all the all the PAs that have really um, shown up for me specifically, maybe because executives told them that they had to and that they were like scared <laughs> to have a disabled person. So they had to have an extra oh. PA for the disabled person. <laughs> but now that they've done that, I'm like, oh, I'll take that every time. Yeah, let's have my own PA. I would love to have my own PA. Sounds great. Like I, and they, James, I, James on the one last summer, he would, he would like see me on the monitor be like with my eyes a little droopy because we're sitting in between setups and you'll see that I'm tired because you wake up at six o'clock in the morning and he'll be like, Ryan, Hey, just wanted to pop by. Like, here's a little coffee. Do you want some iced coffee? And I'd be like, sure. And then he'd like, He'd like give it to me and I'd drink it through a straw and then I'd hand it back. And right. It would, be, you it it would just like, this is life. This is, this is life. So I love television uh, and I want to go back to television. My reps really want me to write for television and I would like to as well eventually, but it's not um, an A number one priority at the moment because I'm, I'm so. Because you're doing a show at the public theater that you wrote, <laughs> honey. You've well, got no, like but I'm, but I, but I'm just theater is so in my blood from Thanks. from mm -hmm. from childhood, and I really need to take the time to honor the dream of the child who said, "I want to be on stage." Hmm. And no, I believe that my career will be long. I believe that TV and theater will weave in and out and hopefully complement each other. But like right now, I need to focus on the place and someday i will write the the ryan headed story for television <laughs> ryan we don't doubt that for one second not Seriously. even for one second Seriously. and with a little bit of that um we'd yes. love to know jeff if you will right so we always ask everyone and it seems like you're, you're really good at this at like at like seeing where you want to be and where you're going to go and how you're going to get there so we just like to say like all right 365 days from now, February of 2020, oh God, what, 24. Oh God. <laughs> what, what's your, what's your dream? What, what would be your dream? And it, this can be professional. It can also be personal. It doesn't have to be, uh, you, you get to define all of it. Um, it's going to be three prongs. Uh, number one, <laughs> number one, the, uh, the gay family play in which my family is literally embodied on stage as characters oh my God. with me in scenes. Uh, Good Time Charlie, which is about gay mentorship and uh, admiration and ambition and drive and grief and heartbreak. Uh, I really, I'm just, we let's manifest this together. That, that, that play is what's coming next. That is what New York will see next. Let's manifest that. Mm -hmm. I'm saying this without any hint of any offer. There's no, there's <laughs> nothing on the book. But I know theaters are in the midst of finalizing their season planning for next year. And I just really want to tell that story. Um, mm -hmm. And this experience with Dark Disabled Stories and having two other performers is making me crave an ensemble cast that's mm. made up of my gay uncle and his partner and his best friend and my mom and dad and mm. my aunt. You know, I just want to 
tell the story of those people in a way that isn't just me talking about them, but is like you seeing representations of them. And it's a beautiful story. And I think it's an important family story. So my dream is for either that magically that has already happened a year from now and it's happening in the fall of 2023, but or that it happens in the spring of 2024 um, and I'm getting ready for to do another play. That's, that's my dream. Um, I, again, it's a dream and I have, I'm, I'm not hinting at anything. I'm just hoping, <laughs> hoping that I'm going to get a phone call uh, any day, any week, any month from now saying that's we're like, getting, we're green lighting business. Yeah, we're, we're going to green light this thing that you've been working on for another seven years. Uh, um, so that is that. It's called Good Time, Charlie. And I think you both would just eat it up. I think you'd love oh, it so I know much. That. I, actually I actually did a reading that. of it. And so did Jen. Didn't we do a reading of it? Yes. Did you do it together? Yes, we were in yeah. the room with you. What the fuck? <laughs> together? You played the Charlie, public. didn't you? You played Charlie, Jeff. I did. I did. I was. We were. We were. I was, I was not the right type for it, and I understand why I wouldn't continue. For but sure. I really enjoyed it. For sure. <laughs> you. You. And the play was bad at the time. Um, <laughs> it's but better I would also now. Just to like to plug again, there have been no offers on the there table. There have been no offers. No, but I would also just like to plug. Like I'd love to play your mom. Um, I know. And there have been no. Do you have on the table? Do you I'm have just... any? Do you have any? Jen, do you have any ounce of like Middle Easternness in you? Like, um, <laughs> um, I, I think would that love that's... to play your um, that, your mom's friend. Reading, whoever I was in the reading. Wait, I wasn't I your mom in the reading? No, I think you might have been. You either my mom or my aunt. Um, oh, maybe I was your aunt. You Could might be have your been. Aunt without I'm, any ounce of Thank you. Oh my god! Thank you for telling me. I'm both of you. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. There were several table reads like that, and Girl. people will be like, "I did a reading of this," and I'm like, "Are you drunk? Like, what are you talking about?" You did. <laughs> no, and we did. this is this is the, this is like the second time it's happened in six Do months. They're like, "No, Ryan, I'm yeah. stopping you right now. You will not be embarrassed for this." Jeff, I can't speak for you. There have been multiple times where people have, like, it's day seven in rehearsal for something. And they're like, no, remember when we did that play together? Like a full run of something in, like, the Berkshires. And I'm like, and they're like, we lived together. We shared a kitchen for three months. And I'm like, I don't know your name. <laughs> well, I've never done that, but I've been on the other end. <laughs> I remember, but I'm remembering it now because David Kale was there. Yeah, David Kale, yeah. Oh mm -hmm. my God! Wow. Honey, um, so good time, Charlie. Is the script now? I think would move you in bigger and deeper ways, of and I, it would. I'm just really thrilled um, by the progress that I've made with it, and I really want that play to be produced. So that's number one. Second prong. Um, is the Nate the is my heart my my love life? Um, I'm just saying it because why not? Every opportunity, I want a boyfriend, <laughs> I want a partner, I want a great love story. Um, obviously, anybody who's followed any of my work knows that that is true. 
Um, but it is, it remains true in 2023, um, off stage as well as on stage <laughs> that I, that I, uh, crave companionship in a romantic fashion. Uh, I and I believe that it exists and will come and I just don't know when, uh, and that's okay. Uh, but, I, but it is the thing that I want, especially in moments like, you know, there's there's something wonderful about being in the middle of this play process off Broadway uh, with the Bushwick star and the public and not having to be responsible to anybody and not have to worry about, you know, am I giving someone the right amount of attention? But then there also comes that moment on opening night when you really just wish that yeah. uh, you know that there are going to be people cheering for you in the audience, but you... Yep. wish that there was that kind of someone cheering for you in the audience. Uh, and yep. my caveats to this would be like, I would like somebody who is um, not jealous or envious of my career and isn't trying to, uh, you know, use me in any way. Not that that, and that hasn't happened before, but it is a fear that I have when I'm connecting with other artists or artists adjacent people of, I don't, handle someone else's jealousy very well and I just need to know that whoever that cheerleader is is a 100% fully genuine mm -hmm. in their in their rooting for me and isn't sort of pained by my success because then Ooh. what is it all for if I can't just go home and be like hey I love you it's not worth well, it I would know anything about this Ryan and your third prong <laughs> <laughs> is health just health stuff um for for both myself and and my family um everyone yeah. is everyone is getting older everyone is getting older it feels like every other week someone else is getting a test that is you know may or may not be serious um and i've you know recently um you know we're certainly not going to get into details but you show up to a regular checkup and they're like, well, you should, you should look at this thing. And you're like, what, what do you Me? I'm fine. Like what? And I am fine. And I don't want to scare anybody, but um, just realizing that as you get older, that you, that you, that your body changes and I have to be mindful uh, of the fact that my body will change because of aging and also I'm living in a body that is a disabled body and what does that mean and how do those things uh, compound each other if they do cerebral palsy does not is, is not uh, degenerative so it doesn't progress or get worse but there are elements of aging that will be different for me because of my joints or my, you know, whatever, whatever mm -hmm. the, the whatever is. And I've just had to sort of face that a little bit in, in this last year. So just hoping that uh, and being more mindful about my own health instead of only worrying about other people, also sort of adding right. health for myself, which was once a thing not so long ago that I would have taken for granted. And, huh. and that's that's mm -hmm. number three. Well, my love, I can't I, 
I, we can't thank you enough for thank you. launching us back in our, our, in the, wait, what did we call it? Season two, the remake? Our reboot. I the called re- it the reboot. I always wanted to be on the Will and Grace reboot. And this is just <laughs> as, this is it. This is oh, it. Oh, wow. Jeff, <laughs> can you believe this? Uh, this is our IP. It's very important. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, I am, I'm just so thrilled for you i'm so excited for the show thank you for sharing with us about it getting us excited about it at the public theater i think uh february 28th through march 26th I believe. yes and you can get tickets at the public website i want to say one more thing that if you're a deaf and disabled person deaf or disabled person there there is a uh a discount code that is you know running throughout access dds capital a access dds and uh i'm telling you that uh in while also trusting your non-disabled listeners to buy a regular ticket and not use that code which is a community-based uh code and initiative well you have to be a pretty low sob (laughs) to use that code (laughs) That's true. Uh, so let me just shame you preemptively from that. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Ryan, thank you so, so much for your time and for sharing with us. And I am so happy you made it from Ohio downtown to New York. And I just, I, I love your work. I can't wait to see the show. And everybody thank goes you. to Disabled Stories at the public. Dark disabled stories. Dark disabled stories. My apologies. Did, that was just a final plug and not a correction. I just. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, we love you so much. I love you both. I really, I mean, I can't thank you enough for this. And I'm, you know, I'm such fans and I am uh, deep and dear friends. And uh, just thank you for, for, your love and support of me across time and 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 electronic you got connection. It. You got it. Touche. Bye-bye. We love you. We Touché. love you. I love you. Should I hang up or what? Yeah, you yeah. can hang up. Just post okay. leave recording. And I'm going to too. Okay. Thank I you, love Ryan. you so much. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Love you. Mwah. Bye.